0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. God is so good. And We've discussed and talked over the years about God on the mountaintop and God down the valley, and and there are different seasons for us to really be able to connect with our Father and to be able to press into His presence. We press into that presence of God when, when things are going really well and just say, God, you are awesome, but there's also difficult seasons where maybe we have to just sort of fall on her face before God and just say God I trust you. You know, I think so often we like what we like. You know, I, I I don't know about you, but does everyone here have a special place where it's just like you could go and just unwind and relax and maybe enjoy life a little? You know, for me I just there's something about going home and, and, and uh, having dinner and then going downstairs and, and, and laying on the leather couch with a big bowl of popcorn and my beautiful bride beside me, which doesn't happen this summer because it's too hot and I'd rather her on another couch. <laughs> Just in that place... Of acts, absolute utopia. You know, um, in our churches, for some of you who have been around for, for years and your years, you may remember the the church back in the dark ages that had pews. They were wooden and and uncomfortable, and a, a form of torture in some countries, I think. But now we have these big like look the look at the padding on those things just big comfy chairs so we can so we can preach for hours and 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 it's just like it's okay because I'm comfortable I wonder if we sometimes like comfort a little too much you know I, I wonder if If we really think about that word comfort and you go to that place that is your most comfortable chair that lazy boy that that recliner that sofa and and you think to yourself seriously how long could I possibly stay there you know you may get in that and find that perfect spot but within a half an hour ten minutes an hour you just start to squirm a little bit because you're not as comfortable. In fact, in many nursing homes, they have staff who, who have to turn people over because they can't on, do that for themselves. And, and when they can't turn over themselves, they start to develop sores on their bodies which then turn into infections because they've been laying in a certain position for so long and that comfort then becomes painful wonder in the church in the body of Christ if we become comfortable you know we just kind of do things the way that we've always done it and you know what really that definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over again but expecting different results and we just kind of we just kind of coast through life looking for the easy solution when God is is saying guys there's more There's more. I have more for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And He provides things for us, but sometimes the blinders are on that we don't see the keys that Holy Spirit drops into our hearts. You know what? One of my prayers as your pastor is a prayer you may not like. It's, Lord, help us never to get comfortable, but press into what you have for us every single day. We don't like being uncomfortable this whole there's i'm sure comfort is a billion dollar industry i'm sure of it i went to phoenix in the summer to spend a little bit in the winter uh, this last winter to spend a little bit of time with some friends and they took us to this this movie theater that was built all around comfort you have a butler in the movie theater and you sit back and it's not just a movie chair, but it reclines and they come with blankets and wrap you in blankets and give you pillows. I'm like, seriously? And then they bring you out the popcorn and they bring you drinks. And they just keep bringing them as much as you want, just kind of keep coming and then say, you know what, would you like something from the restaurant? And they have like wings and, and meals and it's just like, my goodness, this is incredible. Can we watch a double feature? Like, this is, this is great. But the whole gimmick of this movie theater is to charge you, I think it was like 50 bucks per seat, to watch the movie in comfort, in luxury. Let's pray. God, we want what you want for our lives. And Lord, as we entered in and got to taste a bit of heaven this morning, Lord Jesus, we just want to press into your presence knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? God, we just, we just desire to look more and more like Jesus. And Lord, your word even says, God, that if you want to partake with me, you will also partake in my suffering. And God, we don't like that part. We just want to talk and share and glorify and lift up the blessings but god we don't want to talk about the trials and the struggles so father help us in our weakness to be strong help us god to give up our comfortable lives and say god we want to make impact everlasting legacies in jesus name we ask it Amen. Have you ever experienced a, a stirring in your spirit where you're, where you're like, God, I'm feeling like I'm just I'm missing something. I love you with all my heart, but God, there's got to be more to this whole Christianity thing. There's got to be more to my personal walk with you. You know, again, we've been praying here at this church for a little over a year now. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. To see us people move into a realm where where things like cancer don't have power because healing is intimate, a place that is deep in the spirit, the Lord moving by leading and directing us. But how do we get there? See, I can declare Cold Lake is cancer-free. Coal Lake, cancer, and other sickness has no right here because God is here and Coal Lake is the city of God. But yet, we know that that's not truth right now. We need to step out in that place and believe it by faith that we're going to be getting there. Because if the Bible does say on earth is in heaven, guess what? There is no cancer in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. In heaven, and we can stand upon the word of God knowing that God can deliver us and heal us from these things that are plaguing our society. But I believe that the Lord showed me this really cool key this week, and a switch can take place inside of our minds and change our perspective. See, Hayward, we were sitting around the table this last week, and Hayward was telling a story, and I don't even remember who was over, who he was telling this story to. But he was telling us a story about when he was a little boy, they lived out on a place called Woody Island in Newfoundland. And Woody Island was a place where you couldn't drive in because it's an island, and in order to get there, you had to get there by boat. And Hayward's dad, they they were not well off, but they were well off enough to be able to have a motor on his boat, where his best friend's folks could not afford a motor for their boat, and they had to row everywhere that they went. Now, rowing is tough exercise. It's tough going. And the luxury of having a motor, the power is so important. And I and I got to thinking, you know, one of the things about, about Cole Lake is I've made many, 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 many trips into Edmonton to see families and loved ones of people who've flown out of Cold Lake and gone into Edmonton for some kind of a, a, an emergency. Many people in this room i have gone to Edmonton to be able to spend time with you and your families. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a long journey there. And when medical attention is needed immediately, it's almost like we wish that we had that teleporter that could get us to that hospital in Edmonton to the, to the U of A and get us there now. Imagine back on Woody Island where you have a rowboat. All of a sudden something happens and you've got to get out of there. I don't think our first mode of transportation was like, man, I hope I can row quickly. I think we're like call stars, bring in the air ambulance, get me out of here because I have this situation and i got to go and i got to go now. We can row all day and get nowhere fast. Or we can see with our spiritual eyes what the Lord is doing. We can partner with God on earth as is in heaven for that is where the power is. That is where the motor is. That is where the wind fills our sails and propels us quickly. We can stand in the water, we can make waves by splashing people and and by doing this. But when God makes waves, I don't know if you've ever been to a place like Hawaii on the North Shore where those waves are 18 feet high and they're just coming down and crashing and you know that if you go in there, you're going to die because the power of the wave is so strong that it's something that you just don't want to mess around with. That's two completely different ways of looking at waves. Waves can be fun, but they can be dangerous. They can be powerful. And we can live a life that is just normal and ordinary. We can live a life so filled with Holy Spirit that we start to partner with what God is doing and we start to move ahead in the kingdom of God, advancing that on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in for order for us to be able to, to go to heaven uh, and, and to be able to see what is happening and be able to, to see what the Lord is saying about the importance, like if, if it is on earth as it is in heaven, well, God, what is heaven like? In order for us to understand that, we need to go to heaven. Now, some of you right now are getting very scared. What do you mean, what do you mean Pastor, go to heaven? Some of you have even got your cell phones out. I'm going to record this because if this is wacky, I'm going to put this on YouTube and expose my pastor as a fraud. All right? So you're ready. Get your phones ready because I'm going to tell you how to get to heaven this morning. I'm going to tell you how to transport there and get there. Are you ready? Open your Bibles with me this morning to Revelation chapter 4 as we read about heaven. All right? There's nothing wonky about it. The Word of God says in Revelations chapter 4, starting in verse 4, Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me in a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here and I will show you what you must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper. In the glowing of the emerald circle, his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny glass of sea sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day and night, night after day, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, your God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased here we get to see a glimpse into heaven we see something in the scripture that we can tangibly accomplish here on earth something tangible that we can accomplish right here that is happening right now in heaven and that is the gift of worship see the bible says in john 4 21 jesus replied believe me dear woman The time is coming where you no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know little about the one you worship. while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Again, I wonder if we miss the trees for the forest. I wonder if sometimes God puts things of great value right before our eyes and we don't grasp the gift that he's given us to be able to accomplish it. Uh, Pastor, you know what? I I don't really like worship. I, I don't like that singing stuff. Like I just can't sing. I can't carry a tune to save my life. So I don't like it. You know what, Pastor? I actually come late to services and I come because I don't like that worship stuff. Or I don't really like Ernie. He's got a weird accent. You know, he drives me crazy. Stop it. It's not for you. Well, I I don't like the song choices. You know what? The hymns are where it's at. Well, I don't like the hymns. I I like the new music. That's where it's at. Stop it. It's not for you. It's for Him. And it prepares us like it did this morning as we enter into His courts, as we worship God, saying, God, You are awesome. And I want to give You everything I've got because, Lord, I want to worship You with everything that, I, that, that is in me because You are worthy of my praise. Something changes in the atmosphere. Something changes in our lives. Stop it. Maybe there's a heaviness over your home. Maybe not everyone in your household is serving God right now, and it's hard to be around the household. Maybe it's you hear all the time at your work, you hear swearing and cursing our Lord's name, and it drives you crazy like nails on a chalkboard. Worship God. Change the atmosphere. Step up in boldness and just say, God, I need you to take over this day. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I learned a lesson about power when I lived in Calgary. It was a brand new home, and my neighbor wanted to build a fence, and I'm just like, oh, man, we just don't have money for a fence. And they're like, well, we're building it right now, and we, you're paying half. It's like, oh, well, all right. Got to do it. So I'm, I said to him, I said, we're really tight right now. It's, he says, it's okay. I'm going to build it. We're not going to hire out somebody. I'm going to build it. My dad's going to do it. But I just ask that you help out. I'm like, you want me to help build? I'm like, this is going to be fun. So he says, okay, so let's start digging some post holes. I'm like, okay. So he passes me a shovel, and we start digging. Well, that ground was rock hard. And my goodness, like, because it's, it's brand new, just been developed land where bulldozers have drove over it, packed it down. Like, it is cement. Like, we're taking this little spade, and I'm jumping on the shovel, and like this, like this little chunk, this big comes out. And I'm like, seriously? So he says to me, he goes, man, this, yeah, this is going to be, take a while. I'm like, you think? Like, I can't do this. So he's like, I got a good idea. I said, what's your idea? He says, why don't we go to the rental tool shop and we'll get an auger. I'm like, a power auger? I'm like, that is awesome. That is a great idea, neighbor. So we went and got a power auger. Have, how many people have ever used a power auger? They're awful. So the two of us are going beside the house because you got to put a pole there, and that's where we started. And what happens is the power auger starts to go down and it's still, we're, we're, we're putting so much weight on it, trying to break through this, this cement ground. And it goes down maybe, maybe this far and it hits a rock. So it goes down as it hits a rock and it swings you around and my knuckles go right against the side of the house. Whack! I'm like, praise the Lord! That hurt. And then I'm like, what are we doing wrong? He's like, I don't know. So we had to get at The shovel's and we had to dig up this boulder, which was probably the size of the house, I'm sure. OK, that's exaggerating a little bit, all right? But it was this big, I'm sure. And so we dig up this boulder, and then we start again, and we go down a little farther, and it hits another rock and spins us and spins us. Well, we dug, we dug probably half of the holes in two days. Just digging and being spun around and digging and being spun around and thinking, my goodness, whose idea was this for this stupid fence? I'm a good neighbor. I don't care if your dog comes over to my place. Let him have at her, right? So we finished all the holes. Two days later, three days, maybe maybe even three days later, the holes were done except one. And we could, the power auger couldn't do it. We couldn't shovel it. It's just like, oh my goodness, I think I found where Hoffa's buried. We just couldn't break through. So this guy comes out with a bobcat. And he says, hey, you need a hand there? We're like, yes. He says, all right. He says, uh, it'd be 10 bucks if you don't mind. I'm like, 10 bucks? He goes, yeah, I charge 10 bucks a post hole. I'm like, that would have been like 250 bucks. I got that in my wallet. Like, what are we doing? The power of the Bobcat was amazing. We were going around like fools. When we understand the power and we plug into the power, it's like what would take us months, years, a lifetime to accomplish. Holy Spirit goes, and it's done. That's who He is. In our Christian walk, the Lord has equipped us with absolutely everything we need to be successful in life. But so often we get hung up on items, self-problems, and we miss what the Lord is saying. Here, take it. It's yours. It's a gift. Sometimes we walk around like, Lord, I'm just not worthy. And God is like, I've got you covered. I've got your back. I've got all the tools needed to be able to do what, is you, what you, I've given you to accomplish. The word worship in this text that we read in John chapter 4, the Greek word for this is, um, where does it, here it is, proskuneo and proskuneo literally translates into a kiss god is looking for intimacy and it's achieved through the gift of worship you know what maybe you're here this morning and you're like you think worship is what we do on sunday mornings well yeah it is But that's just a little sliver of what worship is. You know what? If all we do in our lives is wait for Sundays to be able to get into the presence of God and worship God, I tell you, every single week we're going to be just digging and crawling, getting into the church. It'd be like we just say, you know what? Here's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to eat Sunday lunch and then not for the rest of the week. And then next Sunday, I'm going to eat lunch again. And then I'm not going to eat anymore. It just wouldn't make sense. It would be dangerous. In fact, we would get to that place where eventually we would die from that lifestyle. And in the spirit, God is calling us to a place where he's like, I have given you I want to. I want to kiss you. I want to be invited into your very lives and get to know you in such an intimate way. Worship is not about singing, but it's about the heart. God, I invite you into my household. Lord, I'm a businessman. And God, I got two ways I can go with this business deal, and I'm not sure. God, let me ask you, what way would bring you the most glory? God, show me that way because that is what I want to do. But too often, we're like, it's all about us. And we get so encompassed in this bubble that is no bigger than us and our family. And the Lord is saying the world is so much bigger. It's so much brighter. There is so much more if you're just willing to step out and say, Dad, what do you have for me today? He's faithful. He's just. He is our everything. Worship is all-encompassing. God, you truly are my everything. And I got a little video here this morning just to kind of help us illustrate what worship is. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We look at the world and you know what, it can be a scary place. Demands are always upon us to work harder, smarter, faster. Life can become overwhelming, but when we enter into a place of worship, it brings balance into our spirits, into our lives, and allows us to have another gift, and that's the gift of rest.
1: In Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and it says in um, verse 1, he says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may worship and celebrate, and a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. He goes on to say in verse 4, But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. And again Pharaoh says, Look at the people of the land now. They are many, and you would have them cease from labor? And the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather their own straw, but the quota of the bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it. Because they are lazy, therefore they cry out, let us go and worship and sacrifice to our God. Let let their labor be heavier on the men, and let them work as it is, so that they will pay no attention to false words. Pharaoh was all about the bricks, and he uh, put this on the Israelites. And so they had been told by Moses God sent me as a deliverer. He wants to deliver you. And good news came. They had this promise. And all of a sudden, the promise turned into more work. And Pharaoh said, you know what? Not only do you have to make the same amount, but now you have to gather your own straw. So the Israelites would go to sleep, and they would be thinking about bricks. They would wake up, and they would be thinking about bricks. And they were consumed with it. And so... The reason why God wanted to release them from this consistent labor, this ongoing, ongoing labor, was so that they could worship him. And so a change, we've all heard this saying before, it says, a change is as good as a rest. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever believed it yourself and bought into it and thought, yeah, all I need is a change? Well, I got here to tell you this morning that a change is not as good as a rest. The only thing that's as good as a rest is a rest. Because this is what Pharaoh's plan was, is that if we just give them more to do, if now they have to change their attention from just doing one thing to something else, they will be so distracted, they won't have time to think about their God. And that is still his plan today, that if we would be so busy, if we would be so consumed with, I've got to keep doing more. Now I have less in my life to produce more, but I've got to keep producing. That's what Pharaoh is. That's what the age of our world is. It's not enough. Have you ever met a woman who has ever finished laundry? If you wait till you are done, you will never stop. God knew he had to take them out of a land where the authority over them was more, more. Pharaoh actually built new cities just as storage places for more grain. Pharaoh was the original hoarder. So God says, bring them out. He delivers them. God gave them something in the wilderness. He had to get them away. And in the wilderness, he gave them ten commandments. And the first one is, number one, you're going to have no other gods before me. Completely opposite of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, "I'm the sun in the morning, I'm the evening and the morning star, but there's also the God of the sun, there's the God of grain, there's the God of caterpillars, there was a God for everything. God says, "No, no, I'm not like Pharaoh. It's only me." And then God went on to tell them commandments about their community. He says, "You're not going to lie to each other, you're not going to covet. Adultery's not acceptable. Pharaoh never ever said to them, be nice to your neighbor. He didn't care. All he wanted was bricks. And all of a sudden they're realizing God, our God, he's completely different than Pharaoh. And this is what blew their mind is that when they were in the wilderness and they heard this command, you will honor the Sabbath day and you will keep it holy. That would have just completely been 100% contrary because Pharaoh didn't care if they rested. He didn't want them to rest. If they could have worked 24 hours a day he would have had them do that. He only wanted them rested enough so they could produce again. But God said you're going to stop. You have to stop. You have to resist the urge to continue. And they had lived in this false belief for so long under this way of producing that God had to take them completely out of it for them to understand that stopping is his idea. And so they, um, <coughs> they all had to stop. They all had to rest. And God did it first when he created the earth. The word says that God rested. And he did it as an example. He never asks us to do anything that he hasn't done. The Bible says that Jesus went through everything we've gone through. In every way, he has been tempted. And so here they are out in the wilderness, and God begins to develop with them. He begins to teach them about the temple. And there's an outer court, there's an inner court, and there's the Holy of Holies. And you know what? The community part, that's the outer court. But the inner court, if you're going in there, you have to prepare yourself. And the only way to go into the Holy of Holies is that you had to go through these rituals and only certain people could go in there. You have to stop what you're doing to be able to step into a deeper place with God. And sometimes we buy into the lie that exchanging what we're doing now for something else is okay. You know, I'm not working, but I'm spending time with my family. Is spending time with your family wrong? No, not at all. But that's not stopping. Stopping is saying, God, I'm going to clear everything. I'm going to be rested so that I can worship you. And in that worship, in that place of intimacy, an exchange happens, and God is filling you up. You bring it to him, and you're telling him thank you. Gratitude is the number one thing. It says enter his gates with thanksgiving your heart. If you find it hard to worship, just start telling him everything you're thankful for. And as you're pouring out to him, he's filling you up. So when Jesus came, all of a sudden that veil was ripped in two, and the Holy of Holies wasn't just for certain people. It was for everyone. And we could all experience that power and that presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. We all get to come in close to him. Basically stopping and resting, you know, the old testament was one day is holy it's the sabbath but when jesus came he said the sabbath isn't lord over me he said i'm lord over the sabbath and every day is holy and i know some people like to keep one day that's awesome but every day is holy to god the important thing is that you set aside a portion of time whether it's a full day or not that's between you and god but we all need to find a place of stopping and resting so that we can worship, so that we can get filled up. And stopping is basically this. It's saying, God, I trust you to do in six days what I think I can do in seven. And this is what happens when we do that. God will bless your rest always. He will always bless your rest. How do I know that? Because as the Israelites followed this principle, the Bible says that God fed them. Their shoes never wore out. They became so numerous, you want your business to prosper? Start resting and worshiping and trusting God because the Bible says they became so numerous, nations feared them. They became known as the people of God. They were multiplying in Israel. They super multiplied in the wilderness. They became a force that other nations were like, please do not come on our borders. We can't, we can't handle you. And so God will always bless our rest. We need to take today respond to him in a way that just says God, maybe I've made worship about me. And maybe I haven't put practice the principle of rest in my life. And that's between you and God. And I'm just going to invite the worship team if they can come and just we're going to just spend a few minutes And you talk to God about it and just say, Lord, I've gotten caught up in this cycle of I'll stop when I'm done. But the problem is you're never done. And maybe you got caught up in the problem of I changed it so I thought I was resting. But that's not the same. And we need to just get in that place with the Lord that says, Lord, I trust you. I trust you for my future. I trust you that you're going to provide. Can you imagine your shoes not wearing out for 40 years? Can you imagine never having to wonder what you're going to cook for supper? You know, it's a gift. God wants to give it to all of us. He treats us all the same. On the Sabbath, every single person rested. There was no, um, this one is a servant, and this one's a master, it didn't matter. And the, the ideas of Pharaoh were never, hey, everybody's equal. Pharaoh's opinion was, you are slaves, you will always be slaves. But God says, no, in my kingdom, your sons and your daughters. You know, have you ever um, heard people pray like this? I just want God to use me. Oh, God, just just use me however you want. And, and I know the intention of their heart is saying, God, I want to give you my whole heart. But the truth is, is that when people use you, you feel used. And God isn't about using people. He's about partnering. He's about asking you to step in with him and saying, let's do this together. But you can't partner with him if you don't know him. And you can't get to know him if you don't worship him. So let's... Um, worship the Lord.
0: We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a
1: place where families come together.